Welcome to Revere Assets, Your Money, with Danny Stewart. You never know how far the stock is going to go down. Tim Razor. Danny knows I'm a geek for all of this stuff. And Don Vandenborg. Telling it like it is. If you're seeking the best stock knowledge this side of Wall Street, you've come to the right place. I'm sorry, did I steal your stuff? No, you didn't steal any thunder. Who's handling this segment? (laughs) For the next hour, Danny, Tim, and Don will be talking investing. Investing is 90% psychological, and I love that. Trades. The market will usually overshoot to the downside and to the upside. And dumpster fires. Because it doesn't matter what you think or what I think, and it matters even less what Danny thinks. And now, here's your hosts... Danny, Tim, and Don. Hello, investors. It's Don Vandenborg, Senior Portfolio Manager with Revere Asset Management. Hey, Zach. Hey, you heard that intro before? That's, uh, that's how we intro the videos. Exactly. <laughs> oh. What has what has two thumbs and is a C-rate podcast host? Yep. This guy. Hey. <laughs> hey. I I have no idea how this show is gonna gonna go. Never hosted before. Danny's on vacation, uh, and uh, let's let's just see see where it heads. Zach, yeah. I'm going to ask you for some man on the street opinion. Oh, sure. On uh on a several things. Let me a- let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you think of investing, what what is your initial reaction? You know, you 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 produce, you hear us talk about uh what we espouse here at Revere, upside participation in the market, downside protection. We don't want people to get their butts kicked. You've heard the horror stories. Uh, that we've told about people who lost their money for incompetent money managers, and what what's your reaction to investing? How do you how does it make you feel? Well, first off, I think whenever I think of investing, I think of Revere, of course, because they're the, they're the best in the business. Nobody else to go to. Uh, but well, two, well, that, that brings a tear to my eye. It should. <laughs> it does. Uh, but two, I think uh, you know, caution. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm a small fish in a big pond when we talk about investing. I think I don't know a lot. I think I need to talk to people that do. I think I need to, you know, get an opinion because, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't feel empowered in my decisions because I don't know enough about it. That's what I think. Here's, here's the way I, I look at it, and I say this a lot. We think that people's approach to the market should have sense aspect to it as Alex chokes on a hairball. Is that from your dog? I thought I muted, my, I thought I muted myself there. I didn't mute myself. Should, yeah. My apologies. So we think, on the we think investing should have a common sense approach. What, what aspect in your life when things start going bad do you not take corrective action? If the service engine soon light comes on in your car, what do you do? You go get a fix. If, if you're heading out for the day and you see that the forecast is for rain, what do you do? Bring an umbrella. If you've got a leaky pipe in your house that's flooding your kitchen, what do you do? Call a plumber. If you've got a portfolio that's bleeding red and heading lower, what do you do? I like these questions. These are easy questions. 
I call Revere. You call Revere. That's right. Why do you call Revere? Because the typical investment advisor is you're going to get on the phone with them. You're going to express your concerns. Hey, I'm down 20%. And they're going to tell you to think long term. And they're going to tell you to hang in there. And they're going to tell you, you know, we think we might be near the bottom, but uh, if you miss the best 10 days of the market, your your returns are completely uh, going to be down to zero. But they won't tell you that if you miss the 10 worst days in the market, that your returns are going to be off the chart. And they won't tell you that if you sell their mutual funds, that they don't get paid. And they won't tell you because they're salesmen. They don't, they don't have the answer. This is why 90% of typical investment advisors uh, suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder symptoms, PTSD, after the 2007 to 2009 financial crisis. Because can you imagine being on the other end of phone calls from your clients that are distraught and you've had no answer for them and you told them to hang in there down 20%? You told them to hang in there down 25%. You told them down 30%. You told them down 35%. You told them down 40%. You see where I'm going with this? Well, and we bottomed at 57, 57% below the highs on the S&P 500 is where, we, is where we bottomed after the financial crisis. Imagine if you were going into retirement. And a lot of these, a lot of these uh, salesmen run what's called the Monte Carlo simulation. And what they're trying to do is assess prior returns and project them out to the future. How many Monte Carlo returns at the beginning of 2000 forecasted two 50% drops over the next nine years? I'm gonna bet zero because it's not a historical norm. It was completely out of, uh, it was completely non-compliant with anything that we've seen in the history of the markets before. And to tell people to not take corrective action when they're concerned is to me malpractice but mm. it's unconscious malpractice because they're employed by the industry that has pushed this false narrative that you have to stay in the markets all the time zach bring up the bring up the chart let's show the people the chart and i'm going to show yes. them something just ridiculously simple this big black line here is the difference between a long-term healthy market and a long-term unhealthy market. And when the price action gets below this big black line, this is where historically we're at risk of extreme to severe, extreme or severe losses. Now, historically, uh, we've tracked 12 bull markets since 1970. Some of them are just a garden variety where you're down 20%. It's not that big a deal to come back from them, but there have been two over 50% drawdowns. There's been a 34% five-week COVID drawdown where imagine if COVID had a 4% death rate instead of a fraction of 1% death rate. There's no telling where the markets would be right now. So for, for the buy and hold people, they say, see, it came back. Well, what if it wouldn't have come back? Obviously, we'd have had bigger things to be concerned about, but if your capital is protected, you're, you don't have to worry about it. And now just recently, we had a 24% pullback off the top as part of this uh, 2022 repricing of risk 
uh, Ukraine-Russia war, rising interest rates, Fed tapering and balance sheet reduction, out of control inflation, and strong U.S. dollar. But this black line here, if you just get out of the way when you're below the black line, stay invested when you're above the black line. I've shown the stats before. You will never get seriously hurt in the market because the average loss from the top to this black line when you have a close below it on a weekly basis is 12%. 12 percent is extremely easy to come back from 20 25 30 40 50 percent is not easy to come back from and it's the unconscious uncomp incompetence of salesmen or pie chart pinhead advisors as i like to call them that will get you will get you murdered in the market and now they're saying oh look we've come back off the lows 11 percent okay we're still below this declining 200 day moving average we still have inflation that's a significant problem along with those other problems that i just listed and we haven't solved them we we don't have a solution right now uh if we're we just had today is friday uh august 5th at 10:50 a.m pre-market we had a very strong jobs report and that had the market initially sell off, it bounced back, we're, we're, we're declining. But these little silly lines on a chart that we look at here and we follow, uh, there's three time frames. The, the black one I already talked about, the green one is our short-term average. When we're above there, we wanna be partially invested. The red one is our intermediate term average. When we're above there, we wanna be a little bit more invested. And that's where we are right now. When we're down here under all of them, we're out of the markets. We're very nearly all out of the markets. When we pop our head above it, we start buying some things. If we break below it, we sell them. Pop our head above, we start buying, we sell them. Again here, again here. And and now it sticks, right? We're up 11%, so what are we gonna do? We're gonna invest more, and as long as we keep making money, we'll keep putting money back into the market. We get back above the 200-day moving average, the, the downtrend is over on a long-term basis. And now we're back in the market. We saved all of this headache, all of this worrying if you're two years from uh, retirement about what your nest egg is going to look like when you do retire. And we dodged it and we're back in and we're participating. So another myth sold by Wall Street is that you not only have to time getting out, but you have to time getting back in too. We got it solved by three simple lines on a chart and then paying attention to the leading stocks and the leading sectors when the market is going up. It sounds easy, sounds simple. It's not, there's a lot of work that goes into it. There's a lot of work that developing the system that we've put together here at Revere. We've got a great support system in place. We've had some people leave and we miss them dearly. That's part of the business cycle. And we've got new people coming in that are extremely qualified to lead us to where we want to go for our clients, which is higher in their account balances and stay away from catastrophic losses. And that's Revere in a nutshell. Now, how do you feel, Zach? I feel great. <laughs> I feel like a million You want to run Very through a confident. brick wall, don't I you? I sure do. Yeah, right. you betcha. My gosh. All right. I did an interview with Richard Moglin six weeks ago in the middle of June. It was right near the bottom of the market and it, it, uh, allowed us to reach an audience that we hadn't reached before. Our, our social media presence has gone up. My, I've got 30% more Twitter followers than I did. Our, our viewing on our nightly videos has doubled. Uh, our YouTube uh, 
content has, is, is watched way more. I've had uh, 27 people apply for the job that Michael got and they keep saying, what can I do to work for Revere? Because I think what we're doing is exciting. I think we're solving a problem for a lot of people, especially people that are uh, within, 10, five, within five years away from retirement and you've saved and you're uncomfortable that you might lose that because of what's going on with the huge deficit that the government has racked up with uh, rising interest rates, rising inflation, which we have to solve inflation or we're gonna have a problem. And we think we've got the solution and we want people to tell their friends and family and we want them to, uh, to, to embrace the sleep at night factor that we apply, that we provide for our clients and that they tell us all the time, man, I've seen, I've, I've seen so many people upset this year with what they've lost uh, and, and going back to 2007, 2009 and 2000 to 2002 when the tech bubble blew up and people had no, uh, typical advisors had no answer for their clients. And they've, we, we've talked uh, over and over again about family that we've seen suffered uh, during these periods, friends and family, and heard from clients that just lost a lot of money all because they didn't have a sell strategy. And we think we can provide that. And we'd love to talk to you about it if you're new to listening uh, to Revere. We talk trading too. There are a lot of traders that follow us because ultimately what we're doing is following a system of risk management, entering positions in stocks when the market is in our favor and having a sell strategy, either lock in profits or cut losses short. And it's being embraced. The wider, uh, a wider net has been cast with uh, my interview with Richard and we couldn't be happier with the way uh, 2022 has has played out, except for the, the the great people that we worked with that have moved on. We'd love to have them here, but we don't, and we'll deal with it, and we'll bring on the next generation of of people that continue um, to 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 work with us. Show Alex, for instance. Alex was a full time Revere employee. There were some aspects of the job that just just weren't right for him, and we respected that. Alex is a very successful trader. He knows how to read the markets and that was a, a, the best quality that he brought to Revere. There were some other aspects of the job that he wasn't particularly fond of. We parted as friends and we keep him on as a consultant because he provides a valuable, valuable insight to us on the markets. It, it double checks us. You know, if I'm thinking something, he's, he's going to tell me, well, that might be right, but you also might want to think about it this way. And the bottom line is Alex is an expert at what he does. And that's why he's sitting in uh, on this uh, podcast that we're doing today, because he provides uh, an extremely valuable service to us. Now you got Michael, like I said, 27 people wanted the job that he wanted. Head and shoulders above the crowd uh, was Michael. I talked to some people that worked with him. They, they raved about his work ethic and how passionate he was about the markets. He came on board and passed the Series 65 test within a week to get to get licensed. That's unheard of. It's a difficult yeah. test. Um, it's it's it, he's a good test taker. He crammed for a week and passed. And I, hats are completely off to him. 
the, the first two weeks of our relationship with Michael have just been fantastic. There's going to be other people we're bringing on board down the road in the future. There's going to be other consultants that we're working with to solve the needs of our clients. And I am just ridiculously excited about what we're building into the future at Revere here. So that out of the way, what we're going to do in today's uh, today's podcast is now that I've now that I've done my monologue, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the markets. Uh, Alex and Michael are going to provide some input. I'm going to talk a little bit, and then the last part of it is going to be a review of this 13 rules that I put together years ago. Uh, guideline. It was shortly after I started with Revere, and uh, this is something I put together for marketing purposes. Initially, I was thinking about starting my own register investment advisor before I uh, saw Revere on Twitter. And the more I dug into it, the compliance and the fact that you have to spend so much time trying to bring people on board would have t taken so much time away from what I want to do, which is really manage portfolios that um, I'm, I'm really happy with the way things turned out. But this was developed and uh, we're going to go through it and it's going to be kind of like an evergreen greatest hit show that we can uh, show if it's uh, the holidays and we're unable to, to have a podcast or anything. So, uh, Alex, you want to kick off what you're seeing in the markets right now and uh, give us a little bit of um, give us a little bit of color sure. on what you're what you're looking at. Yeah, as Don had uh, spoken about. <clears throat> the job uh, jobs numbers came out to unemployment numbers lowest in, I think, 40 years. Um, so the market backed off a little bit. We have rallied for about three weeks straight. So I think it was time for digestion, regardless of the news price action will dictate what we do. So I actually find this as a, a, a good opportunity to let's see if, um, leading stocks can base and set up new buy points. Um, for example, like a leader, like, um, look up. ENPH, which I think Revere does have a position on, um, has been slowly accumulating every day since its big gap up on its earnings on massive volume. That's the sign of a, a true market leader. So with this pullback in the market, you can see EMPH is like flat on the day. That's a sign there's no real selling going on. And I, I, I take this down day as bull market action. It got absorbed. Half of it, 50% of it has been retraced, meaning Let's say the market's down 100 points. It's trading only down 50 now, so it's absorbed half of that loss, which to me is uh, bulls coming in and, and buying the dip, and it's healthy action. we got to allow these uh, shorter-term averages, like Don was talking about, the 21 EMA, exponential moving average, to catch up and allow the market to digest this prior big move and stocks like EMPH to allow their averages to catch up. So if we get some sideways action on those charts – or even like a little bit of a handle, a little downward actions, okay, that could set up a next leg higher. The next leg higher will be the previous um, S&P 500 highs back in early June where we rolled over. If we break above that, that'd be a new short-term high. To me, the rally could continue. I don't like putting labels on things. Everyone's like bear market rally or new bull market. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters is if you're making money. So I don't think about... 10 years down the road, two years down the road with my investments, because who holds the stocks that long? Like Don said, there's going to be bears within that. You'll lose your 
you're going you're gonna to lose your investment. You know, it doesn't work like that. So I think about what's happening today and now, and I take it day by day. If the stock I own or the investments I own turn into long-term year, two-year holds, so be it. That's great. But I don't think about it. I don't like labeling it. So I'm looking at what's setting up right now. And right now I'm seeing a healthy digestion in the market. So that's where I stand. Uh, some of the leading names like EMPH I'm, I'm following. Um, some of the chips look like they're setting up like on semiconductor, KLAC, NVIDIA, AMD, gap down on earnings. And then within 24 hours, shot above its earnings gap open and is, was trading higher yesterday on a lot of volume. That's that's pretty good action when the stock gap's down. That wasn't the only one. On did the same thing on its earnings. It came down um, and then it fired back up within the, uh, the next few trading days. A uh, couple smaller illiquid stocks. Um, Something that Revere has to be careful with because of liquidity. You know, there's liquidity requirements. They, Don usually likes to find stocks that trade $100 million of average trading volume a day. I'm watching Dutch Brothers. It, it has been liquid in the past, but lately it's been a little bit dry. But this thing is fired back up. And Don had pointed something out. I don't know if you could pull up a chart and Don could show bros. But it had gapped down a few months ago, down to $20. And that seems to have put in the bottom um so i waited a few months because i've been a big bull on this name i know this company i've been following them since college i love i love their drinks and i like what they're doing i like the story um on the right side of here i think it was like a week and a half ago there was a big update through the 21 day moving average yes that bar i bought it there i like it's just like a bottoming base uh, on the right side, it's a little bit of a different method, but the RS line, the three-month RS line was pointing up. Um, so I bought it and it's, this has been one of my better names that I own. Yeah, the three-month is at 82. So that, or excuse me, 90, 92. So that to me was another sign that it's got the relative strength. It's the up-down volume might be 1.5, 1.8. That was another good indicator. Um, you can see the composite rating there is not that good. That's probably because of the price action in the previous sales reports. But moving forward on the earnings call in five days, I will be, I will definitely be listening in to see what's going on. You can see that 2023 estimates at 133%. They don't really have any competition. Starbucks, in my opinion, is a thing of the past. And I actually compare this to Starbucks of early 90s, late 80s. William Danoff's a top fund manager at Fidelity. He's one of the best fund managers of all time. He's actually a big canceling guy and followed O'Neill for many years. One of his first trades was Starbucks, and he followed it to the T and, and, and invested this in this many years ago. Um, and that was one of his biggest winners. So I do think that Dutch Brothers has the potential to do something like, like Starbucks did back in the 90s. Here's the big thing. We need the market to cooperate because if the market rolls over, it doesn't matter how good the story is, it will it will sell off. So look, those are kind of the names I'm watching, those EMPHs and semis and um, new growth stocks like Dutch Brothers. Those are kind of what I'm trading and watching at the moment. Thanks, Alex. So this, what I'm yep. showing here is a 15-minute chart of the S&P 500. And what we were looking for uh, on Wednesday was this – we had this prior run up after the Fed, 
and then this two and a half to three day bull flag where we're a bull flag happens after you make a, a run up and then you just start kind of gently going sideways to down but without any significant volume that would indicate a lot of selling so this little bull flag was put in wednesday we were looking for some strength we got a little gap up and then we got follow through to the upside to break above this 4140 4145 level and then uh so that was the bull flag breakout then we want to see that hold and what we saw on thursday was a little bit of selling in the morning we undercut that pivot but we got back above it we got down to 4135 which undercuts 4145 and 4140 uh, but then we closed above it so now this morning we had the gap down we got as low as 4108 uh, on the morning gap and uh, it was bought up immediately and now we're pulling back again and retesting it so what we want to do is see again what happens uh, is this a false breakdown below this 4135 level uh, or is this a false bounce it could go either way we don't predict we uh, watch what's happening we watch what's happening with our individual positions that we have and we react accordingly so the best case scenario is this pullback today, this morning, it's 11 o'clock Eastern time, uh, is contained by this 41.30 to 41.40 area, and we end up higher, maybe around 41.50 or make new highs on here. So uh, the bull flag breakouts very often get, get tested to see if they can hold. So far it's holding with this gap down. If we broke break below the morning lows today, that's a very bad sign. That should not happen. We don't want that to happen. We'll start putting some hedging or trimming some positions on if that does happen. So far it's not, um, and again, we don't predict. We're interpreting the price and volume action of what's going on on the indices and on individual stocks. NASDAQ 100 a little bit stronger. You can see it hasn't even come down to test the top of its bull flag, which is actually it did come down, test it, tested it, and bounced right there. That's the 318.70 level. The highs of uh, these two days and this little gentle pullback before we broke out went sideways yesterday, gap down today, and we're pulling back again, but we want to hold this 318.70 area. Uh, worst case, 315. And the breakout is um, is failed, in my opinion. And then we'll, again, take corrective action, take a look at what our positions are doing, take a look at what the indices are doing, and um, take our cues from the market, not predict. Michael. Uh, Don, I got, I got a question real quick uh, before yes. Michael goes. I had a family member call and asked, what do I do now that the market's starting to rally do I buy it here or what, what What would you say? I hate to put you on the spot, but how would you respond to something like that? If someone called you, um, they weren't with Revere um, and they say, what, what should I do with my investment? Like I have a bunch of cash in an account and I, I don't know what to do. Well, the uh, first thing I do is I tell them to start watching our nightly videos and then they'll know exactly where we stand on short term, intermediate term and long term on the trend. Uh, I don't know what kind of an investor they are, but you don't plunge, you don't go all in all the time. Um, buy buy something and set a stop. It's 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 really that simple. We should hold above worst case. 
this 314 area, which is where we broke above on the NASDAQ 100. We haven't cleared that area yet on the S&P 500. Um, tell them to buy a, you know, what, what kind of investor are they? Do they buy individual stocks? Do they? It's, um, if, if it's someone that has like, let's say they have a 401k with a company and they can only make a certain amount of trades within a quarter, I think. I don't know the exact rules, but it's usually like S&P funds or Vanguard funds. They don't really do individual stocks, but they have, they can sell and buy based on the market they had right. sold, but now they don't know what to do. Like, do they buy back in? And I didn't know what to say really, because I was like, I typically trade individual stocks. I don't, I don't do my trading based on. So I figured I'd ask you and see. And I think this would be yeah, a good so what, question for some of our viewers. It would. There's probably a lot of people that think this or have family members that do. When you when you have a 401k and you're limited to the number of trades that you can make, you eliminate the short term moving average, and then just look at the intermediate term and the long term. Once we get a weekly close back above the 50 day moving average, I would say put some of your money in. And if we get back above the 200-day moving average, uh, you can put the rest of it in. And if that fails, um, sell it out. We don't. I don't take the. Um, I don't take the. Uh, a pro and their age has somewhat of a factor into it. Uh, if they're younger, you don't have to worry about it as much. But even when I was younger, I didn't want to lose 50% uh, of what I had saved to that point in my life. So. Uh, but the 200-day moving average is really the key when you're talking about 401ks because that's when risk significantly picks up when you're under the declining 200-day moving average. So the fact that we got back above the 50-day moving average two weeks ago, I would say they could put um, you know, some of it back in. And if we break back below the 50-day moving average over the next couple of weeks, it's a paper cut to them and yeah, you can get back true. out, but you've got, you can't stick your head in the sand. You've got to have some sort of guideline mm -hmm. uh, to what's going on. Um, that would be my recommendation to somebody that's got a 401k and is limited to the number of changes that they can make on a quarterly basis. Yeah. I find it interesting uh, that it's more of the questions is when to buy, not when to sell. They're always asking, right. should I buy more? I'm like, well, where, I don't know where you sold it. Like, very complicated. Um, yeah, like you said the age matters. Yeah, the 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 intermediate term and the long term. I would eliminate the short term uh, fluctuations if you're in a four hundred one k. Thank you. Yeah, and and what I would say about that is a lot of the accounts we manage are um, our four hundred one ks, and because it's so complicated, it's very difficult to uh, do well in the market. Most people don't. And timing is something that unless you're professional, you're or unless you have a lot of experience, it's going to be very difficult to get right. So I would say the best thing you can do is to have your money with a professional manager um, and not just any um, a manager like Revere. So um, I think Don and Dan, um, you should get in contact with them and, and see how you can set up an account with with Revere, because that's probably your best bet. This, uh, in the video, we show this trend gauge every night. I'm gonna bring it onto the screen. And we cover four things. We cover leading stocks, our short-term trend, our medium-term trend, and our long-term trend. You can see the long-term trend is still down because we're below the 200-day moving average. The medium-term trend, the 50-day moving average, we went uh, early in July, we went from down to neutral. End of July, we went to neutral to up. Uh, so just using these two indicators here on a nightly basis on our on our video and honestly uh you don't even have to watch the video if you bring up the thumbnail this is always 
displayed on the video for that night. You wouldn't even have to listen to the video, but, um, but we want you to listen to the video and we want you to share it with your friends and family. So uh, gotcha. that's our shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Um, so Michael, what uh, what are you focusing on in the markets? Um, so I just wanted to revisit something you mentioned earlier that I think is really important and not something that um, that people consider. And it, it's it's um, you have to kind of see the numbers and think about it for it to make sense. But um, when you were talking about about um, taking a loss or, or the market coming down, um, when when markets are coming down and you have losses, the way that they move is is a lot um greater it's it's uh, exponential compared to the gains you need to recover from that loss so for example when you if you're down 10 percent as don said 10 15 percent you can recover from that because a 10 percent loss requires an 11 percent gain to get back to break even so it's almost the same 20 percent loss requires a 25 percent gain but then when you get higher than that a 40 percent loss for example requires a 67 percent gain and a 50% loss requires you to double your account. And it's a lot more difficult to double your account than it is to make up a, a 10% loss. So that's why it's so important to um, sidestep those major declines. And if you're able to get out of the way, then once you get back into the market, it's a lot easier to, to recover from those losses than if you just ride it all the way down. So I think that's something really important for, for people to um, to realize and consider because losses just work exponentially um against you um hey michael you don't uh, know this but that is rule one in my 13 rules some of the stats that you just quoted so when we segue into that and we better do that soon i'm guessing right uh zach because we're uh moving through it i know there's just flying we're moving through it so should we (laughs) should we uh transition into that yeah let's do it yeah we can do that all right and hello investors it's Don Vandenborg here, and this evergreen show is going to highlight the 13 rules for investing success that I put together over the years. Uh, joining us today is Alex Katudis and Michael Ramos, and I'm going to throw it to them for some comments on some of these rules. But let's just get right into it, the 13 rules for investing success, and we're going to start with Rule number one, I, I reviewed uh, four of these rules about a month ago, and we meant to get back to them. And I've been telling people, uh, don't worry, we're going to get back to them. And uh, But now we're going to do an entire show just going through the 13 of them. And as Michael just wrench, mentioned, rule one, never lose big. All investments are bad unless they go up. If you can just eliminate big losses from your uh, investment investing process. Uh, you will save yourself a lot of headache. It's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. And here's the compounding that Michael was talking about. If you buy something and you're down 5%, you only need 5.26% to get back to even. Down 10%, 11.1%. 25%, 33.3%. You lose 50%, you need a double to get back. So this is compounding working in your favor if you cut them short and working against you if you ignore your losses and let them get out of control. So that's rule one, never lose big. Rule number two, follow the trend. This is an old example of what the trend gauge used to look like before 
uh, it got its uh, design upgrade a couple of years ago. So follow the trend is knowing your time frame. We talk about this all the time. Three time frames we track: short term, intermediate, and long term. Alex just brought up some good uh, uh, questions about what would what should you do if you're a 401k investor. Uh, ignore the short term, focus on the intermediate term and the long term, and we update this every night uh, in our videos. Something too important. Uh, People, for some reason, uh, want to think that they're going to, they, or they get upset if they don't get the top or the bottom on a trade if you're trying to sell something or buy something. There's only one person that gets that top and the bottom, and the odds are that it won't be you. So uh, don't hyper-focus on getting the exact top or the exact bottom with something when you're buying or selling. So that's rule number two is sticking with the trend. Rule number three is diversify, but don't diversify. And the analogy I like to make to this is if you're following a well-balanced diet uh, and you go to the grocery store to get fruit and vegetables to be balanced, but they just uh, happen to have very low inventory and the fruits and the veggies are rotten and picked over, are you going to buy them just because you want to have a balanced diet? No, you're going to ignore them and make... Uh, Put something else there until they get good fruits and veggies back in stock. So there's no reason buying something that's in a downtrend just to say you're diversified. Uh, proper diversification is owning the strongest uptrending investments over asset classes or sectors. You don't have to be in bonds if bonds are trending in the wrong direction. You don't have to be in emerging markets. Uh, you can get your diversification through sectors. This is something that William O'Neill uh, teaches. That that means if you're in the market, don't own 50% uh, software stocks and uh, then Apple and Amazon because you're not diversified that way. You can diversify across sectors by finding the leading stocks among a variety of leading sectors. So no poor diversification uh, just for the sake of correlation. Rule four watch list. You always have to be prepared no matter what's going on in the market. We keep a 21 over 21 list here that we update in uh, every Friday night's videos. Uh, Alex and Michael keep their own versions of their watch lists and are, pro are constantly providing input to uh, the Revere process, trying to get the best stocks for a place in there. And I would say probably 80% of our buys come from uh, the 21 over 21 list. So if you focus it, look for good buy points and the market is in your favor, uh, you're, you're, you've got mo half of the battle conquered. So always keep your watch list fresh and up to date. Rule five, buy on technicals and fundamentals, but we sell only on technicals. A lot of people make this mistake uh, that, well, the fundamental, you know, the stock just dropped 20% on earnings, but uh, the the earnings reports, the sales in the and the the sales in the earnings were great, and they're gaining market share. Blah blah blah. A lot of people said this about Roku. Let me bring up a chart of Roku, and Roku is the industry leader in uh, smart TV operating system. No question about it. Roku topped in early 2021 at 485 dollars. Roku has continued to add market share, continued to become more popular. Everybody knows the term Roku now. Roku's at $81. So the fundamentals didn't change, but the technical picture changed. And this is why we sell. It's based on technicals, not fundamentals. We want to buy 
factoring in both because we're always looking for something, an N, this is the N in Cancelum, always want something new, a new product, a new service, new management, new business conditions. That leads us to identify the best stocks and then we buy them on technicals, but the technicals take over and uh, that's what we lose to sell or that's what we use to uh, for our selling, buy on technicals and fundamentals and then sell strategy. This is what's so important. What is your sell strategy? This is the most important question to ask yourself or any investment advisor about any investment, especially when we're under the 200 day moving average. This is the, the sub rule, never hold anything that is trending underneath its 200 day moving average. Now, when you break below it, this isn't gonna say that we're never gonna buy something behold, below the 21 because if the short term moving averages improve, such as, as you've seen what, what we talked about with the indexes, we're going we're gonna to start to get involved again if we get back above the short and the in, and uh, the intermediate term moving averages. You can still be below the 21, but this applies to selling. If you're holding on to something and it breaks the 200-day moving average, you got you got to get out of the way. And uh, this statistic tells you everything that you need to know. Since 1960, 22 of the worst 25 days and 83 of the worst 100 in the S&P 500 occurred where? Under the 200-day moving average. The overall monthly return to the S&P 500 is positive, 0.88%. But if you're under the 200-day moving average, the average return is negative 2.6%. Pretty clear. And uh, there's, here's the sell only based on technical action again. And the reason is leading stocks on average fall 72% from their peak. This is uh, back to the numbers that Michael was talking about and that we showed on uh, slide number one, compounding. You lose 72%, you got to have a 257% gain to get back. The market just doesn't hand out 257% gains uh, to everybody because you're invested in the market. So that was rule number uh, six. Alex, over the first rules, what's the uh, main thing that jumps out to you? I think uh, buying a stock based on fundamentals and technical analysis, but recognizing on the sell side, price is the only thing that matters and, and having a sell discipline. I would say that's the, the biggest one is the, is the sell side discipline. Absolutely. And, and there are your the, my thesis is still intact. Saying that when your stock is down 20, 30, 40% means that the market does not believe your thesis and there just might be a chance that you're wrong. Imagine that yeah. somebody being wrong. That's yeah. such a critical point to investing is being able to put your ego in your back pocket and recognizing that uh, you got to go with what the market thinks, not necessarily what you think. Michael, what's your uh, takeaway from those first six rules? Yeah, I agree. I, I think the most important thing you can do as an investor is to cut your losses, sell your losses short. Um, there, there's nothing worse than holding on to a losing investment because you've done your research. Um, the story's great. You believe in the product. doesn't matter what you think. All that matters is what the market's telling you. And if you're wrong, you have to admit that you're wrong, which is something difficult to do. Um, but you, you have to. Otherwise, um, you're going to end up admitting you're wrong if you don't if you don't sell early you sell late and and that's the problem um once it's too late then it's just so much more difficult to come back from so you've got to you've got to be quick at um put your ego aside and and get out when you're wrong 
there are a lot of uh, highly intelligent people, doctors and lawyers who make terrible investors because they're among the smartest people in the population. So they're used to being right. They're used to uh, giving their wisdom to others. Uh, and for that reason, they can't admit that they're that they're wrong in an investment that they make. And they're notorious for thinking it'll come back because they apply the same decisions that they make to their daily lives uh, and compare it to the investing decisions. And ultimately, uh, that's like treating somebody for hypertension with the wrong drugs and uh, their blood pressure keeps going higher and you keep giving them the same thing. You're, you got to admit at some point that you're making a mistake and you got to try a new drug. And that it's no different with the market. You got to admit when you're wrong and and get the heck out of the way. Zach, do you know the story? Sorry, do you know the story? It reminds me of uh, Isaac Newton with the South Sea Company. Tell me. So Isaac Newton, probably the the smartest person who's ever lived, um, invested. He had some money in in a company called the South Sea Company, and he. Um, bought a position it was working against him he doubled down on it because he had done his research really believed in it was incredibly smartest guy ever and ended up losing all of his money in this in this company because the stock eventually went to zero and he wrote it all the way down so isaac Ooh. newton um can be wrong then you can be wrong too yeah that's a good way of putting things. Mm -hmm. Zach, what's your what's your uh, takeaway from those first six rules? Well, like I said, I, I know the least of all this stuff out of you guys. I'm definitely more in this podcast realm. You're our man on the street, though. I'm man on Zach. the street. Uh, you know, my, my takeaway is approach this stuff with caution. Like, uh, you know, it's it's dangerous no matter where you get in. You got to be smart. You got to know what you're doing. And uh, it's not for the faint-hearted. So pay attention to the rules. Have rules. Follow them. You might just end up okay. You might just end up okay. You I might like just end up okay. All right. Moving on. Rule seven, identifying low-risk entry points. You do not want to chase stocks higher. That's called FOMO, fear of missing out. The two uh, types of entries that we're going to talk about this, uh, once you get your watch list curated, is to find low-risk entry points. And the first pattern is a high-volume breakout. Um, there are IBD classic patterns. Anybody that is familiar with William O'Neill, these are patterns that we use all the time, cup and handle, double bottom, flat base. And uh, IBD research shows that 80% of successful breakouts never form, fall more than 3.4% below their proper pivot point. So I know they talk about 7 or 8%, but keep an eye on this 3.4% level. And if uh, you hit that, maybe sell half. Uh, and then see what happens with the other half. So that's one way to get one foot out the door. The second pattern is low volume pullback. That is when you're uptrend, in an uptrend and uh, what you're holding pulls back on low volume into appropriate support areas, such as a moving average or a trend line or uh, a horizontal line. Uh, something that would present an obvious stop point if it broke below. So you get in at those two types of buys. This is for a bullish market breakout. Don't buy breakouts in a in a sideways trending or in a downtrending market. Low volume pullbacks can be bought in any type of market with a proper stop. So that's rule seven. Rule eight: Stay out of the dumpster. Uh, when you're buying. Like when you're buying stocks, 
Knowing not what to do is one of the most important rules. Avoid stocks that are technically broken but are supposedly great values. It's uh, like trying to catch a falling knife. Uh, that knife might end up in the top of your foot or you might end up cutting your hand if you, catch, if you try to catch falling knives. So there's a reason why stocks are going lower. And remember the falling stocks price action can remain irrational longer than you can remain solid uh, solvent. So this is, goes back to rule number one on the difficulty of rebounding from large losses. So avoid dumpster diving. Rule nine, relative strength. This is, if there was only one indicator that I could have on a chart, it would be relative strength. Now, relative strength is the comparison of every other um, every investment to the S&P 500. So naturally, the S&P 500 as the baseline has a solid blue line as uh, its relative strength line. Let's look at one of the leading stocks in the market right now, Enphase. We want to compare how Enphase is acting to the market. And Enphase, you can see this relative strength line started higher all the way back at the beginning of May. This is saying that Enphase on a relative basis is outperforming the market. And notice even while Enphase was going sideways here, the market, that's this black line up here, was correcting. So going sideways while the market is correcting is going to give you a positive slope to your relative strength line. And when the market writes itself, and you have an inflection point, in this case, a great earnings report from Enphase of 317% average volume uh, and the stock up 18% on the day, and then it followed through the next day. Uh, you can identify these types of stocks by seeing what is outperforming on a relative basis uh, while the market is, is uh, consolidating or going, going lower. So the relative strength line uh, is, to me, the most important indicator that you can have on a chart. Um, okay, and, and this will keep you out of those uh, dumpster dives, those uh, value traps or bad theses like uh, happened to Roku. Rule number 10, you got to understand the math of what's going on. Uh, every outcome of a trade that you can have can have one of five outcomes. You can either have a big gain, small gain, be near break even, a small loss, or a big loss. If you can just eliminate big losses from your repertoire. And for us, that is anything higher than a 0.2% of the overall uh, impact to the portfolio. We, we, we are very tight on risk management here at Revere. Um, that means when we take an entry point, if we're going to be wrong on it, we're going to sell it when, and the maximum loss that we're attempting to take is 0.2%. So that means if we have a 4% position uh, and it goes down 5%, that's a 0.2% loss to the overall portfolio. If we have a 2% position, we can have a 10% loss on it, and it's still a 0.2% impact to the portfolio. You keep those small losses, and uh, the big gains will take care of themselves. And uh, uh, one big trend pays for a bunch of uh, paper cuts. And Albert Einstein may or not may have said or not have said that the power of compounding is the eighth wonder of the world, but he certainly understood the math behind uh, how compounding works. And it's a combination of the size of your gains, the size of your losses, and then your position sizing 
And as I said, 0.2% is the max loss that we try to take in-house at Revere. Rule 11, building and managing a portfolio. Uh, this is a slide that I can probably uh, add some, uh, some statistics to, but it's important to track your trades because it's an, it's an instant feedback mechanism. Anytime I make a trade, uh, I write down what the S&P 500 was at that time, and I'm comparing uh, what, the, what the investment is doing versus what the S&P 500 is doing, and I'm trying to get a two-to-one return on what the S&P is doing. So if during the holding period, the S&P was up 4%, I'm gonna want my investment to be up 8%. And the reason is, uh, if it's not, I can just easily buy SSO, which is the two times S&P 500, and save myself a lot of trouble. And that's why we're very picky with our entry points and our watch list. So building and managing a portfolio, always make sure that you're diversified, uh, but make sure that everything is in an uptrend, what you're getting into, and track your statistics on your trades. Rule 12, this is a tough one too. This gets back to the ego. Mr. No Opinion, he looks a lot like Joe Friday. I close every video I do with just the facts or uh, telling it like it is. Howard Cosell, that's another one. And this is something else that you have to put aside. When, when Michael first started with us, he was telling us how bearish he was with um, because of, of what the economic outlook was. And we had a long talk about just you know paying attention to what the market's doing. Uh, we agree with you that the economic outlook is bad, but right now uh, the markets were headed higher and uh, we were participating and that's why, but we're participating and we've always got our stops in place. So no opinion, you've got to be a just the facts kind of person. Keep your mind open. Uh, when the wave comes, take it. You don't know how long it's going to do, but one way to stay objective is to cover up the ticker on chart and look at it. And if you didn't know what the chart was, and then you, you, you should be objective about it and just look at the pattern, not necessarily the name. And remember one more time, it's okay to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. And rule 13 is not really a rule, but a summary is commit to all the rules. Commit to rules one through 12. Uh, Tony Robbins said the, passive, the path to success is to take massive determined action Rules one through 12 aren't an a la carte menu. That means you can't, if you went with, a, with uh, rules one through 12 and you excluded the cell, you, you missed really half of the entire approach. So forget buy and hope for help, forget hang in there, forget ride it out, forget stay the course. Uh, this plan, these 12 rules that we've laid out is, uh, is a, a path to success in the market, eliminate big losses, follow uptrending sectors and stocks, understand what the market is doing and stick to your stops, put your ego in your back pocket. You get to choose the pain of dis discipline or the pain of regret. And that's why I uh, created this trend following strategy known as Grotection. You're gonna grow your assets in an uptrend in a consolidating market or a down market, we're going to focus more on protection than growth. And uh, if you'd like to have more information on this, by all means, call us uh, at Revere. Uh, you can email me, Don at RevereAsset.com. You can email Dan at RevereAsset.com. Or you can call 855-REAL-WEALTH, and we'd be glad to speak to you. And that's the end of our 13 rules.
So let's wrap it up. Alex, final thoughts on these oh, rules? Thank you. I think it was great. Um, I think people should definitely take notes. I've been working alongside Don for a year and a half, and he's not just putting these out there. He um, practices what he's teaching. So I think if you're going to get a genuine and honest person to manage your money, Don is the guy. Oh, you make me blush. Yeah, <laughs> that's just the truth. <laughs> Michael. Telling it like it is. Yeah, telling it like it is. Telling it like it is. I love that. Just the facts, ma'am. Michael, final thoughts. Um, yeah, I, I love the uh, presentation. I mean, even though even though we work in the industry and and we um, should know these rules, it's it's something that um, it's it's important to revisit and and remind yourself of because um, when when emotion, this is a very um, very can be a stressful job. It can be emotional, and and you have to control yourself and just stick to a game plan and and stick to a strategy and stick to the facts above all else. And um, like, for example, I have this little card that I look at every single day that I have on top of my desk. And it says, you probably won't be able to read it. Maybe you can read it here. But um, but yeah, I, I remind myself every morning. That's great. For the, for the audio I don't, folks, Zach, I don't that, stick to the rules. I don't think that was on, Zach. Can uh, you? Uh, no, oh, yeah, no, yeah. he's not presenting. Did, oh, no, you did. Did you get it? Yeah, we saw it. Can you read it for I the audio it. Okay, listeners, good. Michael? Sorry. Well, yeah, I can, I can read it. it. Um, so it says, I, I, re, I look at this every morning. It says, good morning. My name is Michael Ramos, and I'm a loser. I have it in me to do serious financial damage to my account because I don't want to get caught up in, in my beliefs and, and opinions. It's just I know that, that this is serious. Um, it's not a game, and you have to take this seriously and um, just stick to the facts and, and stick to what the market's telling you love that love that love that zach yes man on the street final thoughts boy there's a lot i don't know about this stuff <laughs> final thoughts are no these seem like great but rules. you learn but you learn a little bit more every sure, week right i sure Listen do us. yeah no and, yeah. and these seem like really solid rules like they all seem to follow what we've been talking about for weeks we're not playing anything outside of this playbook Everything feels solid. Like you, you're right. You're planning for growth. You're staying within your margins, and you're always expecting that things can go south. And when they do, you got to plan in place for it. I think it's sharp. I like it. I like the 13 rules. I'm a fan. Awesome. All right. So should I do the Danny Stewart wrap up? A hundred percent. I was going to ask you to do that. Yes, please. Yeah. All right, folks. If you like what you heard, tell a friend. <laughs> tell a neighbor. Send them to revereasset.com or call us at 855-REAL-WEALTH. Join us back here next week on Your Money. Barring any extrogenous events. <laughs>
Your Money Radio podcast covers general topics and investment ideas for research. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not meant to be investment advice. If you want or need investment advice, contact your own advisors or reach out to Revere Asset Management for individual investment advice. For more information, just go to revereasset.com.